This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift. Explore, train and compete on the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Croeso. That's a bit of Welsh for you. What's happening, Tom? What have you been up to today then? Headlines today, G. I have just enjoyed an excellent soup. Do you like a soup? Oh, I do like a soup. Did you make it though? Or was it out of the jar? Or a tin? This was very much made by a device called a Thermomix. Are you familiar with oh, a Thermomix? Yes, I've got one myself. Oh, yeah. They're a game changer. Game changer, they are. Unbelievable. Right, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen a Thermomix, G and I aren't on commission yet, although it may be a potential commercial opportunity for the chairman to look at. <laughs> but a Thermomix, G, it can make soup. It can make ice cream, albeit not at the same time. What else can it make? All Everything in between, oh, I guess. Anything in between, yeah. We actually... No, I'm not even lying now, but we actually used that. Well, I say we. Sarah used that tonight. <laughs> we had um, like a pulled pork thing. I'm not sure she used the thermal mix for that, but then she made bread, like the mm. like a, a fajita type bread, you know. Wow, lovely. When you got your thermal mix, how did you get it? Your, this will make sense to you if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So we missed out on this. Are you talking about when somebody actually comes around and teaches you how to make it and they cook some stuff with them and and the weird thing about it is well you get invited to someone's house don't you i don't know if that, this happened to you we were told about it by a mate and then we were invited to their house and it had slight overtones of sex party they put your keys in the middle and all that <laughs> very very much so turned out they were just wanted <laughs> to demonstrate the thermomix and then there was some sort of cheeky commission on offer if you if people you'd invited for your thermomix sex party subsequently bought a thermomix <laughs> <laughs> oh we didn't get involved in that pyramid scheme because we uh it was all through um <laughs> it was it was in lockdown when we got ours so yeah but they're bloody good aren't they like they obviously they connect to the internet you can download recipes yeah mate i don't know why we're bigging them up so much we need to uh yeah get you need to get some deal on the on the table with thermomix Leave it, leave it with me. I also possibly need to get, you know how the lid works? How you've got that, there's a plastic bit on the lid, which is quite big, which you can take off to pour things in. Right. Murph was, was making a soup. And you know when you put it on a really high spin, so it slices everything <laughs> at the start. <laughs> Murph couldn't find the plastic plug for the top. And she was like, oh, I'll do it anyway. And then the noise that it makes, like it's quite an aggressive noise, isn't it, on full spin cycle. But it had a different edge to it this time. It had a sort of a harder edge to it. Basically, it turns out that Murph had liquidized the lid. No. <laughs> oh, mate. Like, <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It does everything. It even chops stuff for you. It chops it. It weighs yeah. it. And let alone cooks it. It does. It stirs it. Oh, yeah. Have you done that thing where it washes itself, where you put a little bit of water and, and fairy liquid inside and then put it on a... And it... Pretty much cleans itself. Yeah, without a doubt. Who wouldn't do that if something cleans itself? Just, yeah. <laughs> They're expensive though, aren't they? Yeah, Thermomix. If you can do the GTCC members a deal, then, you know, and us, obviously. Just go, at least me and Sark can just go around to somebody's house and just get cooked for. Throw our keys in the pot afterwards, whatever happens, I don't know. <laughs> 
Right, OK, I'll get on the case. Um, that is a lot of Thermomix chat for now. Should we talk cycling? Uh, and more specifically, actually, G, should we talk about your shoulder recovery? Because I set you quite a rigorous timeline on the last podcast. First question, I suppose, for me then, have you managed to rack up a set of Red Bulls? Have you played your first snooker shot? <laughs> no, nothing like that yet, to be honest. Um and I would give it a go, Tom, but no disrespect, but I think I should listen more to the surgeons and the physios at the minute. But um, <laughs> I, I was I was fully up for trying to, you know, fulfill your demands last week. But uh, I've definitely got a lot more movement, though, to be fair. I can get my arm up to like 90 degrees now. Yeah, which is a lot better than what it was. So if you were, if you were playing cricket, you could signal a uh, no ball? Yes, I could I'd comfortably do that. Excellent. There's loads of things that I can't do, like putting my hand sort of behind my back. So as if I was going to get a gel, I couldn't do that with my right hand for a while. Um, And then there's stuff like, you know, if you have your elbow against your side and then you put your hand like out. So it's like a, I don't know, they, they got all these fancy names like posterior and all this jazz. So I could like, I can go and touch my my belly button, but I can't go to... Touch somebody else's belly button. Does that make sense? <laughs> is, that, is that something you like to do? We <laughs> uh, won't go into it, but I do like a, a nice, pretty belly button, Tom. Um, <laughs> it's nice but, to have the option, isn't it, at least? <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. Um, I don't have a belly button fetish. <laughs> but um, <laughs> No, so it's, it's, it's slow. It's slow progress, but it's progress all the same. And it's nice to have, finally have a bit of rehab stuff for my shoulder because the first two and a half weeks or so was just, well getting me not to move it basically and let it all heal and do whatever happens but um now at least i can sort of start doing some stuff with some bands on door handles and sort of pulling and doing all sorts of different things i won't try and describe it because i'll be terrible at explaining what i gotta do but i've got about eight different things now so at least i can do something now because i've got itchy feet i'm not gonna lie you've got itchy feet and you can't scratch them because you can't move your hand that low (laughs) not literally but yeah (laughs) There's nothing worse than itchy foot, though, is there? I hate hot oh, feet. It's horrible. Hot feet when you go into bed. Nothing worse. I always have my feet at the end of bed. Do you know? I think right. Maybe this is something we can offer on the GTCC shop, along with our hoodies and our t-shirts and our bedons. I've always thought the idea of a, a, a pillow that self cools, because you know the nicest thing in the middle of the night is to like reach out to one side, or to, maybe just to flip your existing pillow over and get a lovely cool pillow, <laughs> rather than a hot pillow, a self cooling pillow. Yeah. I've I've never thought of that to be honest. Maybe more the duvet or the mattress because it's more of you rather than just your head as your whole body. But we could do both. Just roll it out the whole bedding scenario. Um, the thing is, you probably I don't know what it's like with Saar, but do you find that you almost need two separate duvets, like with different togs, like a sort of his and her <laughs> setting? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Saar definitely hogs the duvet. But saying that, I don't really like it either I don't really sleep in it under it so I'm kind of one of them that's just sort of well I'm not under the duvet it feels like it feels like we've covered a lot of topics unexpectedly in our introduction today we've talked thermomixes um, we've talked belly button (laughs) fetishes and now we've talked his and her bedding Um, should we get a guest on let's do it Tom good news the sponsors are back for season two that is momentous G and Momentus just so happens to be the sponsors of this next bit. But who are they? <laughs> well, for all you listeners that were listening last season, you'll remember them as Amp Human. 
Aha, yeah, a leading human performance company that works with over 150 pro and elite sporting teams. And once again, we've got an exclusive discount for you. Gee, what's the lowdown? Well, I use uh, PR lotion all the time. You basically rub it directly in your muscles, you get bicarb directly into them and, you know, allows me to maximise training sessions and improves recovery time. Yeah, if you try it, the clinical data says you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. I like those odds, G. So if you fancy slapping it all over your legs before your next big ride or workout, go to livemomentous.com. So that first bit, all one word, L-I-V-E, then M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S. Dot com. And because you listen to this podcast, we've got you an exclusive discount. Just use the code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR Lotion. Happy training! So today's guest is just 22, although he's already won two Tour de France's. Little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> winning the first on his debut in 2020 and obviously this year's edition as well welcome to the gtcc tajay pogacha welcome mate hey uh thanks you thank you for having me pleasure i, I think i should say uh dobra dosho is that right did i say that right yeah dobra dosho yeah it's okay dobra dosho it's quite good what have you just said g you haven't insulted our guest have you no 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 i just said uh Kloiso or welcome you know, just a man, man of the world. Did I say, did I pronounce your name right as well? Because that's one thing I'm, I was a bit unsure about. Yeah, it's uh, pretty complicated. It's uh, Tadej Pogacar. Okay. Tadej Pogacar. Yeah. Sweet. Nailed it. Yeah, that's good. I think we should hear Tadej. I think we need to hear you pronouncing Geraint's first name properly as well, please. Ah, <laughs> uh, G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good answer. It's the best way. And by by the way, before um before we get started, Tom Ida Bumba. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on a second. He's a Bumba. Okay. Okay. Just so you know. <laughs> Why are you both of you laughing okay. when the, the word Bumba? Do I want to be a Bumba? <laughs> uh, not really. I think it means idiot. <laughs> no, really. thank you. Yeah. It's, but so almost in a nice way. Almost. Ah, nice yeah. idiot. I'll take nice idiot. <laughs> but um, no, thanks for thanks for coming on. So, Tade, it seems that just talking about the number of Tour de France that you've won at 22, it almost seems, without saying that G is old, even though he's called me a nice idiot, people aren't meant to be doing the things that you've done by your age. Yeah, I don't know uh, how how that was possible. Just uh, already last year, uh, at 21 years, uh, to like, 20 years to, to win the Tour, it's... Uh, yeah, something uh, almost unbelievable, and uh, yeah, it was also for me pretty strange. But uh, yeah, yeah, I did my first tour actually when I was twenty-one, but um, I think I was about three hours down in hundred fortieth place. But you know, I was on the track, so that's my excuse. Yeah, the track riders are more fat, so not so <laughs> not so good for climbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Here's something I've always wondered from the outside today. You just seem, I mean, G is very relaxed in my experience. He doesn't seem to show stress and pressure, even if it's there. You possibly seem even more relaxed than G. I don't know if I'm more relaxed than him. 
now I'm pretty nervous for this podcast. So yeah, I'm not always <laughs> so relaxed. <laughs> I think the thing is though, Tom, when you're, you know, when you're young as well, you kind of, sometimes you can just go into it blind. Like I think when Tajay won his first tour, no one's expecting too much. It was kind of, you know, obviously they thought he could be up there, but you know, Jumbo were doing a lot of the, the riding and the pressure. And then Tajay was just sort of just working off them really. And then boom, the last TT takes it. And then I think this year would have been, well, you, you tell me, but I think uh, it was a totally different vibe for you going into this year's race. And obviously you still smashed it. So you, you cope with that pressure really well. But was there a big difference between this year, 2021, compared to, to your first? Yeah, uh, first difference was last year we went for uh, GC top five. We were not the, the favorites. I mean, we knew we could be there. But uh, yeah, there was no not really that much of pressure. But this year, yeah, everybody expected me to to defend the yellow. And yeah, it was a little bit more stressed and more pressure in the team, but not too much that it, it was uh, worrying. It was still okay. Um we worked really well together with the team, but yeah, it was big difference from last year. There's always so much attention at the Tour de France on any rider, but if you are in the yellow jersey, and certainly if you are the reigning champion, then that level of attention just grows exponentially. So did you enjoy that today? And if you didn't, how did you cope with it? Actually, I, I enjoy always... Uh, even if I'm stressed out in the race or before the race, I still uh, then end up enjoying it. Even if uh, I finish bad or uh, not not how I expected, but uh, I don't know. I have I like to play the game, and uh, I'm really happy to that I can race with the best, and I can do that uh, every. I can try this for every race. So yeah, it's really fun. So how did you get into cycling in the first place? Oh, and, how, and how old were you? My brother uh, is two years older than me and uh, everything that he was doing, I had to do all, always, no? um, following the brother. Uh, but he started in 2008 and I was, uh, uh, the coach said that I'm too small to ride the, the road bike and uh, I wait for half more year and then I got, uh, I get into the into the team 2009 so i was uh what uh 10 years 9 years old and uh yeah uh, i followed my brother that's that's why i started uh, cycling wow 9 in 2009 that does make me feel <laughs> old now <laughs> so so how about your brother then does he does he race now or no he stopped uh in category under 17 for one year then he come back then after one year he stopped again and then after six years doing nothing he he got back on the bike uh tried to do some races but uh, he he gave up pretty fast again so no no now he doesn't ride anymore <laughs> how about your parents do they uh were they sporty uh no i mean they they always enjoy sport and playing some some with friends or or something like that but not really uh competing a lot just some volleyball or or basketball when they were younger in in school um but not they're not really sports type uh but my my mom is a french teacher in high school and uh my father was um 
producing chairs for the offices and stuff like that. And now he's uh, he's helping with uh, with our team, uh, Poggy team in uh, Ljubljana. So uh, just before the, the pension, he's uh, doing some more easy work. I wonder where it comes from then, G, because your, G, your parents aren't particularly sporty, are they? No, like my dad, he played a lot of, of rugby and running and stuff, but, you know, it was only at a very local level down Carmarthen way. Although saying that, you know, everyone plays rugby, don't they, in Wales? But um, nah, he was never like any sort of decent level. He, he like he tries to tell me that, you know, he was good, but, you know, I'm not so sure. But yeah, I think it's just, what I don't know, you just got to be lucky to fall into something you really enjoy. I think the main thing, you know, as Tajay said, his brother obviously didn't really sort of enjoy it that much, you know, because he kind of started, stopped. and But when you love something and you're into it and you just dedicate to it, then I think you can go a long way. Then obviously the physical side, like if you're lucky enough to be talented or something, that definitely helps. But I think to get to the very top, it's all in, a lot is in the head as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Uh, it's a lot It's a lot in the head. Also, how were you raised? Uh, for sure, you need some talent, but... The most important thing is that uh, you enjoy uh, the sport. Um, if you love what you're doing, that's the main thing. And uh, yeah, even if your physics are so super good and your mental uh, strength is not so so well, then um, you cannot do that sport uh, or what whatever you do. How did those early races go? Because sometimes with people who go on to great things in sport their first year or their first attempt at something isn't particularly successful. There's always a kid who beats them. You know, they might be the 10th best in their year or the the, the 100th best in the nation. So what were you like at the start? Yeah, uh, well, when I started, I was uh, two, three years younger than, uh, than guys in the same category in the races. So my first race was, I was the last, the very last in the race. So yeah, but I didn't mind. I I was super happy just to be done with it. And then every race I was a little bit better. But first year uh, never top ten or I think I was my best result was fifteen or something. And here is not a lot of uh, boys on the start like thirty riders or forty fifty maximum. And uh, only races in Slovenia, so not so not so well. Uh, but then the second year, the third year, I was getting uh, better and better. Uh, I win some some races every every year, like two or three, something like that. And yeah, um, I think I I got better through through the years. What was it that you loved about cycling, today when you first started it? Why did cycling work for you, um, and other sports didn't? I don't know. I was uh, before I was playing football. Also, the first year I was mixing football and cycling. Uh, but I don't know. I think the the people around me in cycling were much more comfortable. Uh, I was more comfortable with them. Yeah, I really got good friends. Uh, we were together every day, uh, riding bikes, racing each other, going full gas, uh, making jokes, doing pranks. And I think because of that, because of um, people who who was with me, that's why I think, uh, yeah, cycling the f- at first was so uh, so good for me. I think a big reason why cycling is so successful in in Slo- Slovenia. Sorry, I was going to say Slovakia because Marco Jalo, my Swanee, 
He's um, from Slovenia, as you know, but I always call, say he's from Slovakia. I always wind him up with that. So Slovenia is obviously a small country like Wales. And anyone that does well, you know, people get behind him or her and uh, success. So I think, you know, the way Roglic and yourself, the success you've had is only going to get more people into it. And, you know, it's going to become better at cycling. But when, uh, after I'd won the tour, obviously it was before the whole pandemic. So it was a slightly different time compared to your first, which was right in the middle of it. But when I went home, it was just absolutely bonkers. I can imagine it's exactly the same for you. Like, obviously, end of 2021 is, you know, everything's starting to open up. It's a lot better. So how has that been? Is it is it just bonkers every time you go home? Well, uh, last year, uh, because of COVID restrictions, it was uh, quite uh, normal, just uh, a lot of Zoom and this sort of stuff. But uh, every time yeah, we go home, it's just, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people wants to see you and uh, get together. So yeah, we are when we are in Slovenia, we just uh, from left, right, um, and we don't have much, much of uh, free time to to relax. But that's why we we stay in uh, Monaco uh, most of the time because it's yeah more relaxed. So, G, I don't know about you, but. From the outside, men's road cycling looks like it's changed in the last few years, not just because of the age of some of the young riders like Tade, but also with some of the tactics. It seems to be becoming less structured, um, less dominated by single teams. Is that style of riding, Tade, does that suit you? Does that suit your abilities and your characteristics? Well, it depends uh, how good shape is. Yeah, sometimes... Uh I also like if the race is controlled and quiet, but yeah, when you feel super good, then uh, for sure just attacking and uh, going nuts. Like uh, like in Europeans, that was a crazy experience. It was a race from the start, and uh, yeah, for sure, if more controlled race, more easy it is for the for the whole body and for the mind. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a lot more fun when you're at the front. But yeah, Tom, I think that star works quite well for him, given the last two years anyway, with the tour. But the racing has definitely got more crazy. I think, you know, back when the 20 teens, so to speak, 2013 through to 19, we had the strongest rider in our team. And you can control the race when you have a strong team. Whereas UAE, which is Pogacar's team, they just like sort of let the race go and that works for them. And that, that creates a whole new craziness around it so um it certainly makes it more exciting to watch not necessarily to race when you're not feeling 100 percent, but um yeah like everything it just evolves the sports are changing and you know bikes and equipment and it's getting faster just because of that plus you know everyone nutrition training everyone's doing that a lot better you know whole teams are training really well rather than sort of individuals in the team and yeah i think the whole sport is just a lot more a lot more dedication, a lot more professionalism really across the whole thing. And then that feeds down, that trickles down into the younger teams. And, you know, I think that's when you see young guys performing so well straight into pro races because I think the whole sort of everything is improving, you know, and it just goes down, goes down the categories. Yeah, I think also it changed. I mean, I'm racing only three years in World Tour, but uh, yeah, what I saw before on the TV and what I'm racing now, I think it changed a bit. Like G said, 
uh, it's more dedication in, in the sport with I mean everything uh, developed with uh, especially with nutrition I think and the bikes we we are flying in the races on the flat on the climbs uh, we're going fast in the downhills and yeah everybody wants uh, wants to win so um, also I think in the teams is like this now that uh, yeah, they have many riders uh, to go for the stages and uh, or GC and combining everything together uh, it's not just one team for one goal and uh, it's a lot more attacking and explosive so on the subject of attacks for you how much of it is pre-planned and how much of it is instinctive just seeing what is going on on the road at that point uh yeah uh my plans are not always uh yeah on piece of paper and exactly the kilometer where i want to attack but yeah i have in my mind sometimes where i think to to be good to attack uh but then in the race uh yeah it's just the instinct uh like in the in the tour this this year stage eight when i attacked that was uh yeah just seeing the situation in the race uh i didn't have any I mean, I had uh, only one teammate with me, and uh, he was on the fuels. So I, it was just at the moment, just to go for for attack and to see what happened. And yeah, uh, most of the times is is like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, Tom, without blowing no, what's the well, without is it blowing smoke up his ass? No, when you what's the saying? Yeah, you can blow smoke up someone's ass. Um, but is that? Or you can, like a, you know, you can blow someone's trumpet for them. <laughs> no, um, without bigging him up too much, I think that's what makes Pogaccio so good is the fact that he's, physically he's obviously good. The mental side of things, you can stay pretty clear-headed and chilled. And and then the third thing is just tactically, you know, can make the right decisions at the right time. Obviously, there's, there's sketchy moments. Like, I don't know if you were close to cracking in the tour. It looked like, you know, you weren't. But, you know, you're still going to have some bad days and some stressful times. And just to hold it all together, that's what it takes, you know, to win to win Grand Tours. Yeah, I mean, for sure it helps when you're racing. If you're good, that your, your uh, head is also not in the clouds. If you go full gas and you cannot even think anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it, it helps when uh, when you're not too deep. So you can think about what's going to happen if you attack or what happens if you don't and then to to process this uh yeah on the climbs uh you need to to be fresh in the head uh when you go when you go deep in the in the climbs yeah so talking about being fresh um how do you switch off on that around the races then because for me it's like you know, you're 100% in the race, you're focused and you A to B, you're focused. But then after that, I like to totally switch off. Like, do you, well, what do you do? Read, listen to music, speak to your missus? Yeah, I speak to my missus a lot. Uh, FaceTime is uh, going full gas in the, in the when I'm, I'm on the races or when she's on the race. Some music, uh, massage, and then just... Yeah, eating again, so you know how it is. Uh, not not too much time, but yeah, actually, after the after the whole race, yeah, you, you kind of 
go for easy rides, but you're still uh, you're still tired from the three weeks, <laughs> and uh, you think about how did I manage to go three weeks uh, without such a pain, and then one week after that, when you go easy, is all is <laughs> all painful. Uh, but yeah, just just trying to to relax and be with uh, with my girl without just uh, thinking about bike races. Right, G, you are much more competitive, I think, than anyone else realizes, or the, the the average person who listens to this podcast and maybe watches your interviews on TV, maybe don't realize that behind that very relaxed exterior is a brutally competitive person who likes to win board games, who likes to win almost anything that they do. Taddy, are you the same? Are you super competitive in everything that you do? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I am competitive, but uh, I'm not really sad when I when I lose the the competition board games. Uh, I al- I always want to win, but even if I come second or the last, uh, it doesn't matter so much. Uh, I'm always a little bit disappointed, but yeah, the life go the life goes on, and uh, you go another game and you try to win that one. So um, obviously now you've won two tours. Um, I'm sure you're keen for a lot more, but are there other races that you want to, well, you want to win? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, I mean, the team where Tour de France is the, the most important thing. But yeah, um, I've been to Vuelta one time. I was third there, so I would like to go there again. And also to Giro, which I've never been. And uh, yeah, those two Grand Tours are, are also special. I would like to to try to go for the for the jerseys and uh, to try to win, but uh, I'm really enjoying the the one day races because uh, yeah I'm not uh, I'm not the best one day racer one day um, for one day classics but um, yeah I'm I think I'm really improving in that one and uh, yeah of course uh, I would like to to win. Uh, some of some of those Italian classics, or uh, maybe one day world championships or like Europeans or something like that. You've already got Liège though, so you're not too bad, mate. Yeah, I mean uh, Liège. Yeah, um, that's the the time where <laughs> it's not bad where my uh, where my shape is actually the uh, the best. Always in the spring, uh, um, it always goes a little bit down after, uh, but. Uh, yeah, that's the the time where I enjoy the most, the trainings, the races. Uh, it's the best part of the season. Yeah, i got to say, it is quite nice to see you, um, well, not go as well after the tour. Still still pretty good, mind, but not top, top shape after the tour. Because, yeah, for me, that's the one thing I really struggle with is such a big hit. Like, you're, you're on it from November till the tour. And then to continue after that is so hard. And that's like it's only normal isn't it to to come down a bit but yeah your standard is always pretty high to be fair yeah um i restarted in ploie after summer break yeah it was a big shock for my body i think i just uh shut down after the uh what four and a half hours or yeah something like that um and yeah um now I actually I'm I'm getting back this competition pace, but yeah I'm not I'm not the same as uh, spring or head tour, but uh, yeah it's it's always like that for me. I think that uh, the second part is yeah uh, not the the peak 
the peak of the year, but uh, yeah, I can still I can still push some some watts. Gee, what um what effect has today's success had on the rest of you guys in the peloton? What effect is it having on teams? Are people having to change not just tactics in the races we've seen so far, but change strategies looking two or three years into the future? Um, yeah, the whole sort of racing has changed, you know, as we were saying earlier about, you know, it's more aggressive, there's less control, but, you know, his team is also strengthening and they've signed a lot of strong riders. Um, so, you know, UAE is, is getting stronger as well, you know, and Jumbo, the way they've been improving over the last few years to like, you know, one of the strongest teams as well. I think just, as I said about whole teams, just training well and like coaching well, rather than just individuals taking it on themselves to do it. The whole teams are sort of just the way they're structured and stuff. And then obviously when you see someone as strong as Pogaccio, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of teams are probably, you know, thinking, well, how how do we beat this guy and this team? But that's what makes it, nothing's guaranteed in sport, is it? Like, especially in, in, in bike races and in grand tours, lots can happen, um, you know, wind, crashes, illness. And, uh, you know, for myself and, and like my team, you obviously got to stay positive and, and believe in that you can still win, you know, otherwise, well, what's the point at the end of the day? But um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a challenge for the rest of us and he's massively respected, you know. You know I've, I've called him a little bastard in the past, but more tongue-in-cheek, you know, just because he's been been so successful so early on. But, you know, everyone respects what he's done massively and um he's someone that you, you know you go to a race and you know that he's going to be up there so yeah it's uh it's hard you know you, you definitely got to look at different ways of racing you know like i said before there's no point in us riding like we did in the teens and just set a tempo on the front because that's just going to work for him so yeah it's certainly exciting to watch i think yeah for sure uh i mean they shouldn't be scared of me for sure that's the first thing because uh yeah i can uh i can crack really fast actually i mean i do good good power on the on not so long climbs sometimes the longer climb is worse for me uh and the high altitude i think that's what uh they already figured out um for sure if i have uh it happens that i have uh yeah, not not so strong team uh, with long range range attacks that uh, that uh, makes uh, for us more difficult. And yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, just uh, trying to go aggressive from the from the from the long way uh, with multiple riders. Like uh, yeah, uh, Ineos have uh, a lot of leaders, so they can they can try uh, a lot of a lot of things different way and uh yeah um i think there is a there can be a lot of things that uh can crack me or anybody else uh so yeah it's not that complicated <laughs> i was going to say great question tom it's uh basically how else can we beat you then give me some more information actually you can just text me later if you want it's fine i, I can text you so <laughs> no, so not everybody we don't want to tell all the yeah. other teams as well <laughs> you can beat me but uh yeah not, not the others <laughs> i i have a question for uh for g okay yeah uh when 
when are you going to to win something again <laughs> uh, I told uh, you know I told you at the start we can edit this I can edit that straight out mate ah, that's gone yeah <laughs> I mean uh, uh, I, we'll, we'll see we'll see you know I'll just bide my time let you you young guys just have a bit of glory you know just a nice guy help you out but you know Roman D and Dauphiné were okay but then uh, I, I need to stay on my bike that's the main thing keep my shoulder in We'll see. Yeah, actually, that that question was not uh, <laughs> not from me, but uh, from Marco. So, uh, yeah, you can imagine. I I could that sounded like a Jallo question. Yes, yes, I'm not that that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when you're nice when your own Swanee turns on you, isn't it, G? Oh, mate, he's from Slovakia. What do you expect? <laughs> Here's something I've I've wondered today. So, so many people when they've seen you win those two Tour de France and in such dominant fashion, the second one. People seem to be ready to to write a future. You get compared to greats of the past and people speculate how many tour titles you might win or what other great achievements you have in your career. Is that a little bit strange for you? Because you were only 22. Yeah, it is. that's the strange thing. Uh, I, I never really thought about uh, making history or anything like that. Um, I don't like uh, to be to compare, to be compared with someone else um, because, yeah, it's... It's not uh, it's not nice thing not to one or to another, um, but yeah, um, I'm just doing my uh, my job, my my best, uh, enjoying this at these moments, and yeah, not thinking about the history or or the future. So you say, it, you, yeah, you don't like being compared to rides and stuff. But do you ever look at like say five Tour de France wins and thinks, oh, I quite like to win six there, get it, you know be a record man i don't know uh, for sure i have i have some more time but uh i'm not thinking about uh winning five tour de france's uh because yeah that's that's a lot of still a lot of work to do and uh anything can happen so i just uh go with the flow year by year and uh setting my goals not so not so far along not so far away and uh yeah i'm not thinking about uh what i'm going to ride next year even so yeah uh, i'm not, not sensible that really caring very about, sensible about it's it. disappointing really I, I was hoping you were just gonna say yeah one one six and just heap a load of pressure on yourself and everyone's gonna be talking about it constantly no clever clever lad that one <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> So we've talked a lot about what you're like and what G thinks of you and what the other teams think about you. What do you think about G when you see him riding in the peloton? I have a... Remember whose podcast this is now, by the way. I need to find the good words now. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I loved it when uh, when uh, G won the Tour de France, especially the stage with the, with the yellow jersey. I really loved that one. And uh, yeah, I have uh, massive respect for you, um, especially when we were riding uh, in the at the Tirreno, when we chat a little bit in the in the group. That was uh, yeah, a special moment for me because yeah, I'm still actually new to the cycling, to the World Tour cycling. So um, yeah, I was watching you guys for yeah, so many years on the TV, and uh, yeah, you, I have a uh, yeah, big respect for. For you and for everybody. Nice one. We can leave that in then, Tom. Good answer. Thanks. Oh, I just want to say thanks for coming on. 
It's been a pleasure having you on, mate. Thank you so much. The same. Thank you. Right, Tom, it's time to get your Zwift update. Now, while you and producer Lou have a few more weeks to try and up your fitness on Zwift, I thought I'd check in with some of our GTCC members on why they use it and get some tips for you both. And I'm such a nice guy. So here's Anne for you both. Have a listen. Hi, I'm Anne and I started using Zwift seriously at Christmas and now use it at least four times a week for training, racing and for social events. I've used the built-in plans and had great results. I've also joined event training rides like the Olympic series, where you could do a workout inspired by an Olympian as part of a group of riders. Recently, I've started racing solo and as part of a team. There is something for everyone, but the most important thing is to have fun. Ah, very nice. And if you fancy joining me, Geraint, producer Lou and Anne on Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial. Right, Garrett, before we do any other business, I think we should reflect for a moment or two on that chat we just had. First of all, just give me another run through of how you pronounce his first name. <laughs> uh, I probably gave a few different versions during <laughs> that pod, didn't I? But Tade Pogacha. That's very good. That is good. Yeah, I think that's Thanks. spot on. But I think I called him Tadje most of the time. <laughs> but I, you know, he, he called me G, so it was fine. Yeah, maybe he should just be T. <laughs> yeah we'll make it easier um, what did you think of the chat with him because you don't certainly from the outside it might be different for you on the inside of the pro peloton from the outside you don't hear that much from him you hear the occasional little sound bites post stage in a grand tour which aren't generally that insightful did you learn a little bit about him there yeah definitely because it's the same on the bike really because you just talk about what you're doing or what you've done or what's to come so the race basically or the weather like oh supposed to rain later on and i hope it doesn't rain you know it's just like that sort of quick small talk so you know just hearing about how he got into it and everything and you know his family and that um so yeah definitely learned a lot and um yeah as i said i'm just waiting for that text now to how we crack him later on (laughs) sell it on the black market i'll sell it to Froomey. um highest bidder actually sell it to highest bidding team that's what i'll do yeah that's a nice shout that's a nice shout. <laughs> uh, this might sound unduly negative because he is the best cyclist of his generation. He's doing things that a lot of cyclists haven't done at his age. But is there a weakness there? There's usually a weakness for every single athlete. You must have thought before, certainly in the Tour de France in 2021, you must have talked in the Ineos team about how you could potentially just try and attack him. Where do you think, if not weaknesses, if where do you think this, the little tiny fault lines might be? Oof. I think it's more... Um the whole team as a in general that we were sort of looking at not just him and you know he obviously rode in the tour in 2021 where the first week or stage eight when he just demolished everyone he was just head and shoulders above everyone then coming into like the sort of last 10 days i don't know part of it was probably because he didn't have to as well he was never under like serious pressure but he didn't reproduce anything like that again but saying that he, he had no reason to we already had about three or four or five minutes whatever it was so it, it was probably partly to do with that as well but I think it's more putting the team under pressure so then he's exposed earlier is obviously the most is the thing that stands out the most but as I also said in the pod UAE have strengthened 
considerably this winter as well so that's going to be harder to do as well but I think I think the biggest challenge you'll have I guess is um, just life in general changing for him Um, you know when he has a family eventually or you know all the the demands on him from his team from sponsors from just the public is obviously going to continue to grow especially now we're sort of coming out of the whole pandemic hopefully Um, so I think that would be his biggest challenge but I don't see any reason why he won't still be producing like as good as what he is the next at least five years who knows how long it'll go on for but um, yeah there's just a lot of good young guys around as well at the moment isn't there obviously Remco Belgian guy you've got um, Egan who's in our team Colombian guy Um, Pidcock who also is is a British British guy on the team. Hopefully, we'll get him on the pod at some point. You can chat a bit of cyclocross to you, Tom, or you can give him some tips. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. The other thing I wonder: you get this strange paradox sometimes in Grand Tours, certainly the Tour, with the organisers and their choice of race route because they want to celebrate the great riders and for them to have a great rider dominating things is a really good narrative. But sometimes you get them reacting against that rider but against their dominance don't you so they'll try and design a parkour that exposes that dominant rider to more attacks or more things they don't like so in the way that as sky dominated in the last 10 years the amount of of time trial kilometers dropped steadily from that sort of peak in 2012 there were three in 2012 in brad one but there was a there was a a high watermark wasn't there in 2012 and each additional year there seemed to be less time trial kilometers and it felt like from the outside it felt like a reaction to sky's dominance a way of saying right okay let's try and change the narrative i don't know if you could really do that with today could you because of his how good he is over so many different challenges yeah like initially you think oh maybe more time trials would would suit other guys over him but then the first tt in the tour in 2021 he was well he won it didn't he yeah (laughs) so yeah so you know i think I don't know the the organizers for sure. Going back to like the sky sky days, we definitely kind of thought that. But you, you know, you don't lose sleep on that. You try not to, you know, think of it as a negative. Really, more of just a bit a bigger challenge. But yeah, as you say, the TTKs did decrease a lot, and then even the TTs we did, a lot of them were sort of like uphill time trials um, or a lot of climbing at least. Anyway, so they weren't traditional sort of just you know a flat undulating TT. They were pretty hard which weighed into a climber's favour because obviously around that time Bardet and um, uh, Pino were the two sort of French guys that were really competing you know they'd been on the podium and stuff so but um, yeah it's going to be interesting how it goes the next few years we haven't had a team time trial for a while either which um, is disappointing I love a, a team time trial in, in the tour it's just a it's a great day that but uh, obviously the cobbles are back next year and then which is just anything can happen you know just a punch at the wrong time and you can lose minutes so that'll be interesting for sure but um i think just the way the tour's gone in recent years similar to the giro and the volta there's just a lot of stages where it's just racing a lot of places for people to attack hard little finishes so it's um it's getting harder and harder mate all excellent points g and the reason why i'm very happy to do the gtcc alongside you Right, Tom, time for any other business. And once again, I'm coming to the party with some business for you this week. 
straight to the point. First up, I want to check how the new GTCC merch is going on. Have you been wearing your hoodie and your t-shirt and, uh, you know, using your bottle with pride, your bead on? Yeah, first of all, uh, is this, you see, coming to the party with business, is this party or business? Uh, well, well, it's both, isn't it? It's, it's the business end, but it's, it's very party. Well, yeah, I don't know. Would someone go to a, a business meeting in a hoodie? I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's business and pleasure, I feel. So it's the equivalent, it's the part of the podcast which is the equivalent of a mullet. Because <laughs> that's business on top, party at the back, isn't it? Ah, yes, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's mullet business. No, mullet. Mullet talk. <laughs> okay, well, my mullet talk for you. Um, I have been wearing my hoodie uh, and my T-shirt. Um, not together so far because it hasn't been cold enough. But I have, I mean, the hoodie is probably the greatest item of clothing ever invented, isn't it? <laughs> There's almost no point in the year where you couldn't do with a hoodie. Well, yeah, unless you live in, in Dubai, but yeah, I get your point. Even then, the aircon would kick in somewhere. Oh, very true, actually. Yeah, it's freezing, isn't it? And wherever you go inside, it's freezing. <laughs> and then it's like 40 degrees outside, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I have been wearing my hoodie. I, I like my hoodie a lot. The T-shirt's really cool. And the bead-on, um, have I been using it with pride? Yes, I have. When I've been drinking from it, have I rotated it so that the the design is visible? Perhaps not. Maybe that's my work on for this week. <laughs> yeah, Max has been having a good use out of our, uh, out of our bead on here. Has he, he? Just yeah, he loves the whole uh, cycling bottle, his dad's bottle it is, and he likes his milk in that. So yeah, good. He's lad. spreading. He's spreading the word as well. That's nice. Is it strange for you wearing garments with your own face upon them? Yeah, it is. But at least our one is a bit more subtle. You know, it's you know a bit more yeah comic style. You know, well, you know, it's lacking major features really in it, glasses and helmet. But, you know, I think it's, um, if I was walking around with just like a, a, a photo style of me, that would be a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't it? That'd make you a bellend, I think, um, which you're not. Um, okay, second item on the agenda today, slightly confusingly, is the GTCT. Not to be confused at any point with the GTCC. So, Geraint, last couple of weeks, you have launched the Geraint Thomas Cycling Trust. <laughs> yes, I did. And um, we launched it in the Geraint Thomas National Velodrome of Wales. So, this past few weeks, I've been talking about the Geraint Thomas so-and-so quite a lot, to be fair. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been a lot. Of, it's been a long time coming, two and a half years or so in the, in the making. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can just make a small difference. But, basically... It all started because I wanted to, the only reason I got into cycling was because Mandy was just down the road from where I lived and I saw an advert for a kids club starting and went along and that was it really. The rest, yeah, the rest is history, so to speak. So I always wanted to try to do something to just give a bit back and make it more accessible really because cycling, you know, is everyone's got a bike as a kid or a lot of people have, kids have bikes, but, you know, probably use them for a couple of weeks and go in the sheds and then you just go rusty and old. So I just wanted to, try and make it more accessible, work with, you know, councils, youth clubs, schools, everything really, and try to just, um, well, help kids of all, you know, areas, abilities, um, just enjoy riding the bike. So nothing to do with trying to find the next Olympian or, you know, Tour de France winner or anything like that. So, but yeah, that's been, um, it's good to finally get that going. Nice. So it can be summarised as more bikes for more kids in more places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not just giving them bikes either. It could be helping them maintain their bike they've got or, yeah, 
helping them get to the Garen Thomas National Velodrome of Wales so they can wear their Garen Thomas Cycling Club t-shirt being supported by the Garen Thomas Cycling Trust. Tremendous. And um, in, in equally exciting news, didn't we have our first ever GTCC rider on the podium at the launch event? Yes. Yeah. So prior to the Trust being launched, I was on the track. Well, I wasn't actually riding, but I was at the track with... Um, so do you remember last year when we did the Zwift shifts? Well, I say we, when I did it, it's like three days. Yeah, I I had nothing to do with it. I I sat on my ass, but you pedaled for three days nonstop. I was still sat on my ass as well, but yeah. That's true. Pedaling <laughs> at the same time for, yeah, 12 hours a day for three days. And one of the prizes Continental kindly um, donated was a track session with me at Newport Velodrome. And uh, so, yeah, we were there with the competition winners and they had a little two lap time trial at the end and um the guy there wearing his gtcc jersey proudly actually won the time trial so it's our very first victory for the club so that was a very proud moment any accusations of a fix from the people who weren't wearing a gtcc jersey <laughs> there were a few rumors but um it was all above board we had the proper timing and everything so i think it just goes to show his quality kit as well it's very fast. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Are there any plans to um, launch any other GTC somethings? <laughs> Not the GTCB or the GTCV? Um, well, yeah, if you've got a few ideas. <laughs> but actually, to be fair, no, we've got a few... We've got a few going on at the moment, so we'll stick with that and see where it goes. Yeah, very nice. Well, that also leads me nicely onto the final order of business for today, which is the GTCC Road Captains. So... If you listen to the first episode of this series, you'll remember that we asked for applications to be a GTCC row captain. And today, Geraint, I'm very pleased to say we can appoint our first five. Thanks to everyone who got in touch, Club Secretary Louise and our social secretary Fionn are sorting through them all. But gee, uh, do me a little uh, drum roll and then give our first row captain's name, please. <laughs> first up... <laughs> says- Sounds like lawnmower. Yeah, I still haven't improved, really. To be honest, I haven't practiced since I did it last, but next time. So, first up, representing the Rumney Valley in Wales, is Grant Rogers. Welcome, Grant. Next up, the road captain for Renfrewshire in Scotland is Murray Gray. Representing the whole of the UAE, which is a big task in itself, Fraser Drinkwater. Representing Geelong in Australia, it's John Perez. And finally, the road captain for Wigan is Chris Green. The thing I like about this, G, is the contrast in the places. So there is probably no other podcast in the world where within the same 25 seconds, they've mentioned the United Arab Emirates, Geelong in Melbourne and Wigan. Yeah, and the Rumney Valley. And the Rumney Valley, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Unique we are, Tom. Yeah, and as a reminder, we would like road captains to rep the GTCC in their own area. So this might be arranging socials, it might be Zwift rides, maybe it's group rides in person, cafe stops, you decide. We're going to work on some really nice gold cards to send out to all our road captains. So look out for an email from us on that very soon. And if you'd like another podcast to listen to on your rides this week, why not try The Joe Marler Show? It's Quinns and England rugby player Joe Marler talking probably about everything except rugby. Talking to barbers, clowns, someone who's been in a cult, tattoo artists, firefighters and many more. He's asking all the awkward, funny questions so you don't have to. Just search for The Joe Marler Show. All right. Cheers, Tom. See you next week. See you next time. 
That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fionn Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.